Welcome to Season 2. I'm Joe Welter, and today I'm here with Steve Bryant, also known as Crew the Dynamic, and Ray Ferrer. They were roommates in college freshman year and some of the first people I met when I went to school. So welcome, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> so Steve and Ray, you guys were the first people I met in college. Um, I moved into my uh, room, and then right across the hallway, I think... May have, I may have met Steve first, said hello, and then Ray kind of popped his head in, and that's just kind of the way the hallway worked when you moved in, and, and you were, like, excited to meet new people. The first and, few days was crazy. I just I, The one thing I remember about the first few days, well, there was an orientation, right? Yeah. So we got there before the rest, like, the older, like, you know, kids had already been there. Mm-hmm. And I just remembered it was, like, this crazy, like, hippie, like every single person like you just walk if you made eye contact for a split second with anybody you'd be like hey what's up how you doing I'm Steve how you doing and it was just like this like everybody was super proactive about like meeting people which I'm usually not so it's yeah, just like, kind of like oh this is this is amazing that everybody was a was, new yeah. thing to me too yeah and then I feel like the rest of the kids eventually got there and everybody was like ah fuck you yeah, it was like <laughs> back to normal but then, yeah I remember that first few days was like this like uh, yeah this, uh, this real camaraderie of, of, of of we were all just starting. It's also crazy because we were so young, I mean, eighteen. Or so. Yeah. <laughs> so did you guys get along right away? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we, we we didn't really hang out, but we got along perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, I remember um, meeting um, Rich Spitzer. <laughs> yeah. I remember re- meeting Rich through you, and um, you know, and just seeing you guys all the time. You know. Yeah. And I was and. I really made an effort to try and meet as many people the first year because I had uh, high school was a hard time for me um, personally and socially and so I didn't make a lot of friends and so as soon as I got to purchase I was like oh, I'm gonna meet as many people as I can and then um, I, and so you know I met a lot of people that first semester and then, um, my grades started to go down so I was <laughs> like I, I better just chill for a bit yeah, but you used to come to my class yeah for fun yeah <laughs> not well, everyone did that well yeah but that's because it was art yeah it was art and I was like I was, was a visual art class yeah visual art yeah yeah with a, do, are you familiar with um, George Perino he's a kind of a popular teacher yeah I I know the name just because of the kids that I, I know that were in, in classes class, with yeah. him he was, he was a pretty yeah. legendary guy yeah. yeah yeah so it was his class okay and um, you know I wasn't I thought to myself, I'm, if I'm here to really like, I'm, I'm going to try and do something outside of art because I was thinking I'm not going to be able to make money with art. And uh, so I did psychology, but I was like, but I'm not going to stop doing art. So I went to Perino's class and I met a bunch of people just sitting there. Yeah, I mean, a lot of those people in that class became, you know, people that you hung out with pretty yeah. often. And I remember the first time maybe first day or two you showed up i i think george was um a little confused who are you <laughs> you're not even in my class yeah. but, like he warmed up to you and he yeah. was like yeah you can come back whenever you want yeah yeah well i i remember i i was trying to just kind of duck out and not he, not have him notice me <laughs> and then uh, but he just like confronted me and i was like is it all right if i stay and he's like yeah but i'm not going to grade your stuff <laughs> <laughs> do you remember um, like the first week of college I had a car I had a truck and 
everyone got excited that I had a truck because I could take them to the supermarket after the first week. And so we all hop in my truck. It's me, you, um, Eric Ackley, and some of his friends. And we all go into Port Chester and we go to um, like a stop and shop. Um, everyone buys what they need to buy. And then we all hop into my car and Eric turns around and says, he's sitting in the, in the passenger seat. And he's like, I need to go pee someplace. <laughs> and there's a dumpster across the parking lot. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go behind. Wait for me. I'll be back in a minute. So he runs away. And I remember looking at him running behind the dumpster, and I'm like, all right, these guys don't really know me because I can kind of play pranks <laughs> here and there. I'm going to turn the lights off and drive away and kind of go into another part of the um, parking lot and see, you know, just kind of watch and, like, watch him, like, look for the car. That was really going to be the end game for the whole thing. And he, he comes out. And you guys are like, like some of the people that don't know me at all are yelling, oh, you're so mean, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm laughing and you're kind of laughing. And Eric comes out and he's looking for my car. He can't find it. And then all of a sudden, another car that's exactly the same as my car starts driving past him and he jumps in front of it and he gets in. But you know what? I, I was, you know, I started laughing because I, I saw that happening. I it was like in slow car. motion. Yeah, I was like, oh, imagine he, he thinks that that car is, is ours. And it's, it's for real. It's yeah, and then he happening. actually got in it. So he gets in. So he gets in. And we're waiting, and it's like one, two, three, four. And all of a sudden, the door opens, and he like <laughs> goes running out of the car. And then the car drives away, and I kind of um, drive around and pick him up. And, and he's like, what the hell did you do that to me? And we're like, what happened? How did you not realize that wasn't us? And he was like, yeah, I got in, and it was some dad, and his little kid was in the back seat. And, oh, and shit. he didn't realize and until he turned and stared at the guy and the guy was like, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, too crazy. I but mean, A few Halloweens ago, uh, uh, maybe more than a few, but uh, uh, I was hanging out. It was me, uh, my, my, my wife, my girlfriend at the time, and, uh, and some friends. And we're trying to... I don't, I don't even remember... Oh, we were, we were trying to get a ride. We were going to meet our friend Kristen, who was going to give us a ride to this other party because the spot that we were at got, got kind of broken up or whatever. And my girlfriend's wearing a ski mask. It's, it's Halloween, and I had had a ski mask, and she was wearing it as part of a costume or whatever. And we're coming up, and we see this car that looked just like Kristen's car, and the three of us just, like, we open the door and just pile in ski mask. <laughs> Oh. On. oh my god! And these two people in the front lost their shit. I mean, it was Halloween, so I feel like it wasn't as bad as if it was just you know any other day of the week. But yeah, three strangers, one of them wearing a ski mask. I mean, I think I probably had like you know like face paint on or something. But like, oh, yeah, um, yeah, we got out of that. One. What did, did they just yell or did they say? They're just like, excuse. I mean, you know, it's weird how you think about if that happened to you, you flip out like immediately, like what the fuck? Yeah. But like, I. Because actually, I did I, I did a similar thing very recently, and both times people are just very calm. They're like, uh, "Can I help you?" Yeah, like, you know what I mean. It's like yeah. that immediate panic and fear is not there. Yeah, they're just like I guess because you're in their car, they feel like they're in it's control. Like confusion. Yeah. Like, can I can I help you? With something? They feel bad for you. Um, but yeah, no, that one was okay. I mean, it was Halloween. They were out. Maybe they were, you know, 
they were partying too, you know. <laughs> we could have gotten a ride with them, who knows. <laughs> so, Steve, were you a, a drum major in college? Uh, yeah, jazz performance. Jazz performance. With drum and drumming. With I focus on drumming, I guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into that? Like, um, was that something you always wanted to do from high school on, or did it start I guess, earlier? I mean, I started playing. Um, it was just the summer before eighth grade. I started playing. Um, I, I was really into it. I was just banging on pots and pans. It, it took me a little while to really get the swing um, of things and to really, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's crazy when you first start something. You really like you excel pretty quickly. I don't know if I was quick for, you know, for my age or for the, for the begin for beginner drummer or whatever, but just looking back over, now it's been most of my life playing and looking back and I'm like, wow, that, you know, that first, the first five years, I mean, even, I mean, everything up until, you know, and I'm over speaking because now I'm thinking even after college, I mean, it's been a steady, I do feel like there's been a steady getting better, but I mean, you're talking about going from, like, within a year, going from, like, I don't even know how to hold a drumstick to, like, I, I'm playing, you know, playing drums, I'm playing a beat with a band, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it was kind of like, uh, by, like, halfway through high school, and I did all the things in high school. I did, like, you know, jazz band, symphonic band, marching band, pep band, uh, what, you know, anything, any, you know, every, every music thing. I was playing in bands on my own time, like, you know, like, outside of school, hanging out with people and jamming. Um... So yeah, so it was just I guess I know when the time you know when the time came to to figure out like you know hey you know you're gonna go to college what do you want to do in college that was kind of my main interest it was all I wanted to do um, plus everything else I, I had I had trouble with like you know academic stuff anyway so um, I think it was a passion that I wanted to pursue and it was also like you know in in uh, my household there was this expectation that I would be going to college. And I also didn't want to, I knew I didn't want to be doing something, I didn't want to be doing more uh, school in the way that, you know, school had been going. Um, I didn't want to be writing essays and shit like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, I did that, and um, and then that being the focus was, was great. I mean, and, and the purchase was, was really great for that, and it was cool. It was, when we were there, too, it was, uh, as far as the music program and the jazz program, it was probably uh, on the beginning of its transition from being a relatively small uh, program to being a huge. My understanding is that it's insane now. It's like mm-hmm. the music program and the jazz program. It's it's you know pretty pretty well known and prestigious now. Um, I think it was getting there. I think like while we were there, I think it was like doubling in size every year for a few mm-hmm. years. Whereas like you know our incoming class was twice as big as the one older than us and class coming in was twice as big as us. Have you been to the college since? I did a gig there with Rich like eight eight years ago maybe? I don't know. I did a gig there with Rich at some point. I went back and like everything looked different (laughs) and all this crazy shit just started coming back just remembering and just you know (laughs) the the uh the, the, the full scope of, of how fast time is going by and life just kind of hit me in the face and I was just like, ah, shit, I don't want to be here. <laughs> About a year and a half ago, I went with Ray up and we kind of walked around, told stories and, yeah. and kind of marveled at like how nice parts of the campus are that weren't nice before. Yeah, yeah. well, there's a big building in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, the clock in it. Is that the cl- where the uh, what was that statue? Henry that, Moore. Yeah, 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 yeah. The butthole statue. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, so there's that big building. Uh, I mean, this is going back... Whenever I did this gig with Rich was... I mean, shit, that might have been like 10 years ago now, but even then it was just like, oh, wow, like... Yeah, that building went up. There was a... I, I remember we, we, we drove by... Saw like a Starbucks yeah. in one of the dorms or something like that, which I don't remember there being any kind of like yeah. uh, uh, major commercial stores. Yeah, there wasn't any commerce happening in yeah. the dorms. You had to go like there was other places, but like it wasn't there. And right. I don't even think there was any outside like there wasn't anything like on campus that right. was like an outside vendor right, like right. that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of pe- people from outside the campus nowadays because of that and. And there's also like a lot. Of, I I saw a lot of. Um, I went with my wife. that's showing her around. <laughs> and um, there's like a big community of uh, runners, bikers, and dog people that use the field, the soccer fields now. Oh yeah, sure. And they have like some kind of a claim to it too, because it's like very formal. It's like okay, this is the day when the dog walkers are going to be on this field, on field C or something like that. Right. Um, and then. <laughs> We found out about the place with the Starbucks, which they they built and then had the student's name, and it was some stupid name. I forget exactly. It was something like totally awesome something. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you have the student's name. It. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of like that we went there the time that we did because it was bare bones. There wasn't a whole lot going on as far as like amenities. Mm-hmm. places to go like shopping I mean if you think there were like two or three spots and there was that um, co-op which was kind of cool yeah yeah the <laughs> there's the cave where you can go and play a show or something like that yeah the cave um, I remember <laughs> something happened I don't know exactly what but I remember hearing that it got something got out of hand yeah and so they closed they shut they it closed down. it <laughs> so there was a there was a band that played down there and I played drums growing up. And this band, I think Mike O'Shea played in the band for like a couple gigs, and he <laughs> played in the cave, and he wore a pig mask, yeah. and they had no drummer. And I was like, all right, I, I've, I've got some drums, <laughs> like, uh, you know, I know you guys, like, let's jam out. And then they like killed the band because the, the cave closed, and they were like, that was like the place we were going to play. And, Oh, so that was was it was it because of my coaches? It could have been. I'm not really sure. <laughs> not sure. It was the cave in the basement of like an office like or administrative building. Humanities building. Oh man, I think I went there once. Now they, that was the really underground shit. What happened there? Yeah, yeah. That was some out shit. Yeah, that was that was like some experimental. A lot of improv things happening yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I went in there um, once and I remember there being red lights and like posters over every inch of the wall. And, uh, and there was like a mosh pit going on at the moment. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm walking out. <laughs> I looked in, I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, man, mosh pits. Uh, I, I, I never, you know, I was never a big rock person. Mm-hmm. And, and so I didn't, you know, I, my, my experience and, and you know, uh, my time in mosh pits was very, very minimal. But they <laughs> always would just psychologically, I would just be like, what? The fu- I'd always just see like <laughs> what, what I'd always see like a girl like a big dude shove a girl at uh-huh. some point and yeah. I'd just be like and you know obviously I know that there's a rule there's other like these rules that are just it's mosh pit rules and it's it's different thing but like I just be like I, I you know I just get that thing where I'm like I want to fight somebody yeah. but like, like for real but I yeah. know that like I'm I'm the asshole yeah you would yeah that. 
Right. Even like they're cool with what's going on somehow. <laughs> and I would just be like, dude, come on. Yeah. So Steve, what type of uh, music and musicians kind of influenced some of your playing once you got going, once you were in college and, and going forward? I mean, were there certain things that you constantly went backwards and, and kind of devoured some of um, the discography and stuff? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I when I was in high school, I was really into soul and funk and hip hop. Um, and uh, and jazz, like I, th those all were like those all had inroads to jazz, but those were kind of like my way to get to jazz. And then you know I knew that. I mean I had a, I had a I had a kind of like you know do a little work in high school just to kind of get ready for auditioning to be a jazz major and to you know to, to the fact that I was going to be focusing on that. So I had to kind of get get some shit together for that because that was my my original that was you know. I didn't. I don't know if I gravitated towards straight ahead jazz immediately as a kid without, uh, without it being in the scope of like what I was trying to do drumming wise. But then once you once we got to school, obviously the focus is that you're surrounded by kids that are just. I mean, just such great musicians, and they're studying that. They're telling you, oh, you got to check this out. You got to check that out. I always kind of leaned towards. Uh, the little, you know, maybe like a funkier leaning, kind of more soulful leaning style of jazz, even when I was studying it, um, just because that's kind of where I was coming from. Uh, but yeah, it, it was just, you know, there was just, you know, you're just, you're, you're there with your peers and all of a sudden you're, you're surrounded by, although I had a good, I had a good crew in um, high school and a lot of the people I knew from high school, um, who, a, a lot of, a lot of people that I had grown up with and played music with continued on and they also studied jazz in college and, and you know um, uh, and GC uh, came he, he, he was uh, you know we, were, we played together in high school and we were good friends in high school and then he also was at Purchase um, I don't know if you guys know GC, GC yeah, yeah. Uh, what's he look like Cause I, he's from Italian, Italian dude um, yeah yeah he, we lived, he lived in like uh, Broadway at one point right Oh, like recently, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he, I think he lived on Broadway for like, like, uh, he had a weird thing on Broadway. They moved in, mm. and they moved in the same month that the owner like had to sell the building. Yeah. They basically moved in to move out. I, held, I moved them into Broadway, okay. and then two weeks later, they had to get all the shit out of the yeah. apartment. So I don't know if he ever actually stayed there or lived there, okay. but there was this brief interlude. Um, but uh, but in any case, um, yeah, between that, like, so I was always just like, you know, I was always just getting fed music from people, whether it was in high school or college, you know, and, and in college, it was, I was surrounded by more people with maybe a, a deeper knowledge of, of the jazz world. So, uh, you know, drummer-wise, um, I really got into Elvin Jones, who was John Coltrane's drummer, um, really got into Art Blakey. Uh, I'd already been into Billy Martin from Modesky Martin and Wood, who's more of a modern, you know, he, he was a current working, he still is a current working drummer. Um, and then I still like, you know, like Questlove was always a big kind of influence. So I was trying to, I, and I think within the first year, the first year being there, I started playing with Rich and we started doing a lot of the live drum and bass stuff. And probably my second year in college, I noticed that like my teachers, the others, my, my, my peers and my teachers 
were recognizing me for doing that. And even in the jazz thing, I think that's was that was where I was standing out. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of had that to like distinguish. I guess that kind of to distinguish what I was doing. Because I mean, there was you know it was kind of amazing too. You see a bunch of I mean, talking about like eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old kids. You know, it's like the late nineties when it's like you know, by all you'd expect that none of these kids would have such like a deep knowledge of like jazz from the 50s or 60s yeah. and like all these kids it's just they were just mm-hmm. like living and breathing it and they could just tell you all the shit you know and it was just like so yeah I mean I, I guess whatever people were kind of putting in my ear at that point jazz is interesting especially you know up at school because I was never really introduced to it a little, my dad listened to it a little bit um, but the first the guy that really kind of got me into it was Dave White mm-hmm. trombonist and he that guy I was like where did you come from you have an insane knowledge yeah. and you live and breathe this yeah and I've never met somebody like that but going to school there there are a lot of people that were real similar yeah and yeah yeah I mean Dave, Dave was such a great player and then he really uh, I mean he really uh, seems to make his way as like a composer right he does a big band and stuff right yeah yeah, yeah. I mean and th- and that's again even within uh, even within like the group of people that that was kind of a standouters thing I don't think anybody else was you know had that kind of vision necessarily he was having and, and, and we're, we're doing that he put in the work yeah he put in the work and, and he also just found his lane and that was like you know that's what he did because I mean the other thing about it is you know and, and especially when you get out of school and we're so close to the city, so, you know, everybody comes down here, or, you know, a lot of people came down here, and so you see and you hear about the people that you were in school with, but then you also see and hear all these other people, you're, you're, you're meeting all these other musicians, and so many people went to college for this, you know, and it was like, and, and did this, you know, they, they stu- you know, they studied jazz in college, and they, and, and the people that they were studying and going to work with, to go and work on, like, you know the people who they were just like you know transcribing and, stu- and studying you know down to every detail those were people who you know they just they just showed up and you know I mean they practiced but there was no school for jazz when they when, when you know mm-hmm. when the, the great you know the greats were doing it so it's this interesting thing where you have this whole generation of people who it's like they're like college jazz players and then I also felt at some point I felt like you really had to push away from that because I felt like that became so ubiquitous around the city um, and there's just like there's like I don't know there's a lot of guys there's a lot of people who who, who kind of it's almost like sports to them you mm-hmm. know and, and there's this kind of uh, I don't know this very there can be this very non-artistic approach when you put it in the realm of like academics and I studied this and I got good grades and, and you know in my jazz class and I was the good player and so then I get out and I'm going to get gigs I'm going to do this it's like the the, the understanding of uh, like artistry and creativity almost seems like, like a little a little secondary so uh, you know to, 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 to get out and, and then to be able to break away from that kind of college mentality of uh, you know I think is a, an important thing, but there's also a thriving scene that still does that. You go to jam sessions and people are having like these cutting contests, and everybody's trying to outplay the next person. And um, you know, the rhythm section will be there just playing through the chord changes for like an hour, 
mm-hmm. while all these horn players just take like you know long extended so we're just, <laughs> you're just practicing like you're just practicing we're all just practicing here there's no like communication or music being played um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah I think that you know it, it takes a little something extra a little something to be able to just you know find out what you're going to do that's going to separate you from that kind of fairly now it's like a fairly common background oh, I study this in school I play my ass off. I'm a great musician, and I, you know, and I study this and, and I know everything about it and I can play anything and, you know, um, but it's like, you know, I think you, then you get out of school and it's like, and then what? And you got to find out what you, who you are. Yeah. What do yeah. you, um, your niche? But so, yeah. So, so you played with Rich a lot in, in college and yeah, continued yeah. to today. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rich is probably, out. I got to say, we've been really like, um, you know, uh, some dips here and there, but yeah, I've, we've been playing... We've been playing music together for uh, a really long time. Uh, Is that just based on just the chemistry? I yeah. think it's count. Chem- yeah, I think uh, musical chemistry, personal chemistry. Um, a we, you know, share a lot of common uh, tastes, and um, you know, I think we we, you know, we push each other, and and, and it's also you know. I knew very early on I could tell with Rich he was just this kind of like you know Rich is he he kind of just lives and breathes music and um, you know I think uh, I think he's really great at many things um, but he if you asked him he'd just be like I'm just I'm just here to do music you know he's like a very and he's got that thing and um, I think I I feel that way uh, as well and it's just one of those people who I he's just not falling off and, and not to say falling off I mean at this point you know there's people there's people who I really we uh, we went the distance in trying to get a project off the ground or, or, or trying to get to the next level professionally and a lot of musicians that I played with like you know like you know like like siblings just musically and come up but you know and then eventually like maybe they get some kind of other interests or there's other professional opportunities and maybe music takes, you know, goes in the back burner, you know. Um, and, but with Rich, it's just always been his primary focus and his primary interest as it has been mine. Mm-hmm. And we're both like, you know, we'll both do whatever other jobs we need to do if it's not, if it's not hitting at any moment in our lives, you know, and like supporting us, we'll just do other shit just to support doing music. Um, so I think that's a large part of it. And now it's like, you know, uh, I'm not gonna say we're the only two people because there, there, there's there's a handful of people I know from when we were growing up. A handful of maybe like purchase people that you know are, are like still going strong and still seem to have that focus of like no, I'm I'm still trying to I'm still trying to do this. I'm still trying to get this band going. I'm still trying to you know just stay in this life. Um, and so yeah, so I I think that's a big part of it. It's just that we both been pretty committed to it uh but also yeah i mean we also you know we should we have similar interests in those and 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 the things that we like are things that um i think uh i think we both understand that not a lot of people like you know um and he's also just put me on man rich rich will put me on to some music he'll be like man you gotta listen to this shit and I'll listen to it and I'll be like, ah, it's garbage. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like that at all. Why are you listening to this? I don't get this. 
<laughs> and then two years later, that's like all I'll be listening to. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's happened like it's happened like I, I can think of like probably like three different times where he that's was just cool. like, "This is the shit," and I'm like, "You are tripping, dude. That's <laughs> bullshit. That's garbage." And then like it just takes me a while, and I'm like, "You know what? This is actually pretty cool." You know? And then. Uh, yeah, and so that, that that's always a cool thing too. Somebody's, you know, I always feel like he's been a little bit ahead of the curve and and, and pushing me into uh, some areas musically, which have been cool. What other bands have you played in, say, post college, and then um, you released an album this year? Yeah, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, the bands I play with, um, I mean, I've I've played with a ton of bands, and I've been, you know, hired to do. I've been hired to play drums for people where, you know, it might just, you know, I'll play with somebody kind of on and off for like a year and then it kind of fizzles out or whatever. Um, you know, I've, I've done uh, I've done quite a bit of also like singer-songwriter type gigs and uh, generally it's like, uh, with stuff like that, if I, if I didn't kind of like grow up with you and if I don't really know you and just got recommended to you, to me it's like this is, this is a job and so usually I do stuff for hire and uh, I think at some point with singer-songwriter gigs or, or with other stuff if, if people are kind of still trying to get off the ground um, it's tough for people to shell out money every time they play a show mm -hmm. so that you know so I've, there's been a lot of that that kind of that kind of work kind of comes and goes um, but then as far as bands that I became like a real part of uh, when I was in my early 20s um, I got a call from Christian Salea, who is another Purchase alum, and he uh, was in a band called Benzos, and they were doing pretty well, and they were looking for a new drummer, and he had always, he remembered from Purchase that I was doing a lot of drum and bass, and they had kind of an electronic, it was like an indie rock electronica kind of band, and they, uh, he had just had me in mind, he had always just kept me in mind that like, you know, since I was doing live kind of electronic stuff, so he called me. And that was a, a really huge thing. Uh, we were active for maybe like five years, um, but uh, my first gig with them was, he said, you know, we have a gig coming up in a month, it's at Bowery Ballroom. We were opening for The National, who was opening for a band called Elephant. So the headliner was Elephant. Yeah. Second opener was The National, who are now huge and I'm now uh, quite a fan of. And we were for, and, but you know, I guess they were not as well, they were not very well known then. Um, and then we were opening, so it was kind of like a pretty good jump in with them. And um, we just really got tight, and I started writing for the band, and we were collaborating more, and really became a part of that group. Um, and that just opened a lot of doors for me professionally. And uh, there was a, an electronic element involved in that band where there was, um, you know, I was playing with a click track, so we could trigger samples. And trigger like backing tracks, uh, and I got to say the majority of like the really like high end professional work that I've done since then has been with a click track. That really just got me on track. I mean that's pretty much a it's like a a necessity for drummers. I think nowadays if you're going to mm -hmm. get work that you need to be able to go live on a click track and perform with, with tracks. What's what um, is that click track? Like a click, it's just like a metronome, but it's you're keeping with to keep you with a backing track or some kind of samples that are going that oh, are. Okay. Uh, you know, not necessarily being played out exactly live. Right. So the timing of it has to be exactly at whatever you know BPM or yeah. you know, whatever timing. Um, 
so that was a pretty big uh, big one um, and then yeah I've uh, I've done a lot of electronic music um, I play with my uh, my friend Adrian Michna uh, we did a big tour and uh, that was really great it was like a it was a he was on Ghostly International at the time, and, and it was kind of a ghostly tour that we did. I also met this guy. Where, where was that tour? Uh, it was just pretty much the nationwide. We just big, cool. big, we did like a big counterclockwise circle around the country. Um, we were co-headlining or opening for Elliot Lip, who then um, I uh, got a call from him like a year later, and I started touring with him. I started playing with him live, and. Uh, that we, I mean, we still we still perform every once in a while, but there was like a year or two where we were hitting it pretty hard and we were touring a lot, um, so that was great. And then more recently, I've been playing with a, a group called Young and Sick, which is like kind of like a pop, uh, pop kind of, it's kind of getting almost more disco now, but pop electronic kind of stuff. Um, and the uh, it's the pretty much the uh, it's the project. This guy Nick. Uh, who is uh, from Holland? He's a really, really talented guy. Um, great singer, great musician, great guitarist, uh, great writer. Also, great visual artist. He does a lot of um, cover art for a lot of bands. He's done um, a bunch of Foster the People covers. I think he did a Maroon Five album cover. Uh, so yeah, he's well known for his visual art and for his music. Um, and in my own thing, I've been doing pretty much throughout this whole time. I've just been keeping my solo thing going, although it, it often kind of gets put on the back burner just because, you know, you, you don't really make as much money working for yourself. But, um, uh, yeah, I just put out this album um, earlier this year. It's called Cuts. It's on Young Heavy Souls Records. Uh, it's a Detroit record label. Um, and so that's been going pretty good. Um, it's kind of uh, that and the release that I had before it are very like uh, uh, they're really kind of fast crazy skittery beats um, and uh, so now I'm just I'm just getting my new album mastered but my, my next thing I'm, I'm putting out is going to be kind of like a chill more down tempo kind of instrumental beats because um, I just wanted something that I could like play for people without making them anxious and nervous. <laughs> uh, when do you expect that to come out? Soon. Um, I'm, just, I'm getting the... I just... Uh, I got the first round of Masters back. We're just doing some tweaking now with it. And um, so I should have it in hand in about a week. And um, then I just got to work on the rollout. So hopefully within the next month or so. Um, yeah. That one's going to be called Fake Nudes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. It's just a... Kind of a more more chill listen. I think a couple of years ago you told me that you had a track that was used in a Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah, I had a yeah. How did that happen? Uh, well, I work uh, Christian, who I you know was a singer, and uh, I work with in Benzos. Um, he uh, since since we kind of stopped doing that band, he's been focusing a lot more on licensing and. Um, he and our friend Woody, who uh, Woody was a, a lead singer in a band called Lake Trout, who Benzos and Lake Trout did uh, a bunch of tours together, and we became pretty pretty good buddies. Like the th the two bands were kind of like you know uh, we're, you know we became pretty tight, 
And so Christian and Woody started a like a, a music production house called With Lions Music, and so I've been working with them. They kind of rep me as an artist, and uh, yeah, um, they were Silicon Valley. They were looking for kind of like instrumental hip hop stuff, and uh, yeah, so we gave them a few tracks of mine, and they liked um, this one. This one track. It's kind of funny too because it's very. Uh, uh, it was pretty. Uh, you know. It's a fairly simple track, and you know, it's, it's funny because you could work on something forever and ever, and then like the things that people gravitate towards, right? <laughs> just like something you spent like 10 minutes on. But um, <laughs> I spent more than 10 minutes on it, but you know, uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool, um, you know. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we've done, you know, we've gotten some placements since, but um, I think, I don't know, I would still say that's probably one of the cooler placements. It's HBO, I like the show. I think I got into the show because of that. Really? Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, I think I, I, it was like, the episode that my song was in was like mid-season. So I was like, well, let me catch up to where it is. And I, you know, it was one of those things where I just watched it and I, I kept watching, watched like the whole season. Um, Mike Judge shows are pretty easy to kind of jump into. What else did he, well, so the Beavis and Butthead. They did uh, Office Space. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. Uh, a few other things. Yeah. Um, but he always has a good King sense of, of humor. King of the Hill. Right, right, yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that was Mike Judge. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what's the one that you did it for? I, I missed it. Silicon Valley? Silicon Valley. It's okay. like about like computer, <coughs> what do you call it? Uh, or like a startup. It's about like a yeah. computer yeah. startup. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah, it's familiar. I think I watched an, an episode of that, but I just never got around to watching. You kind of have to start it from the beginning, and then I feel like if you start from season one, by the time you get to episode five, you're either like all in, or you're like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed part one. Please join us for part two of Steve Bryant and Ray Ferrer.